Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. First of all, like, how does it feel watching that? Are you desensitized to it yet? Are you nose blind to the stench coming off your team yet? Because I know you've seen some stuff now. And as crazy and as absurd as last night was, you got to be getting used to it, right? In fact, you got to be used to it at this point. I guess what I'm trying to ask Mafia is, what is your rage level at right now? Because I know how much you care. I know how badly you want it. I know how much you love that team. Where are you on that scale? Like on this end, this end of the spectrum, hopeless, resignation, all the way to full-on Rick in Buffalo rage. I called for McDermott's head after the playoff loss against KC. But now I'm demanding for it. Like that dude, he was way out in front of it, wasn't he? He was the first guy on this show saying it. When most were still defending him, McDermott, Rick was the one saying, man, I want that guy's head. I want that dude's head. It's on him. It's on him. Get me his head. You know, don't get me wrong. Y'all have every right to be right there with Rick at level 100 on the rage scale now. Keep in mind, when he made that comment, many of you did not agree. I would imagine almost every last one of you members of the Mafia agrees now. I also understand that it's hard to get that worked up when you've seen that same movie over and over and over and over again. In fact, you could argue that that game last night was pretty much exactly what you would and should expect from this Bills team. Remember, Josh Allen actually summed it up best. But he summed it up best two and a half months ago. Not last night, but two and a half months ago. Remember that hideous opening week loss to the Jets. Remember what Josh Allen said. And again, this was back after the opening week loss. Same sh- Same place, different day. What do you mean by that? Can you elaborate on what you mean by that? Yeah, I mean, I can't. I, I hurt our team tonight. I cost our team tonight. And it feels eerily similar to last year, and I hate that it's the same. I do. See, that's the thing right there. That tells you everything you need to know. That was opening night. He said, same bleep, same thing. It feels eerily similar to last year. But he was talking about the struggles with the Jets right there. He wasn't talking about last night. Here we are 10 games later, and the same exact sentiments still apply to this team. When he made those comments, he was saying the same exact sentiments go back to last year. And now fast forward 10 games ahead, and nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. In fact, it's worse. It's worse because nothing has changed. And it feels worse. Something about last night felt like the beginning of the end, didn't it? The beginning of the end. Maybe it's not necessarily the end of this team's Super Bowl window because you still have Josh Allen, which I'll get to in a minute. Maybe not the beginning of the end, or maybe the Super Bowl winner didn't slam shut, but it might have slammed shut for Sean McDermott. Now, you know I'm not trying to take anybody's job away, although McDermott did take somebody else's job away. I'll get there in a minute. But there's going to be speculation about your job and how hot your seat is when you put 12 men on the field to block a potentially game-winning field goal that was missed. And you end up losing that game because of it. They're going to call for your head after something like that, no matter who you are. But especially if it's far from the first time you have blown a game in seemingly impossible fashion. In fact, impossibly devastating losses are almost becoming the signature of the Sean McDermott era. And that pretty much is the worst signature you can have. There have been way too many games under this regime that have ended with broadcasters in utter disbelief at how the Bills just managed to snatch a defeat from the jaws of victory yet again. Clock at seven, the ball put down, the kick is up, and the kick is no good! He misses wide right! He misses wide right! But there was a flag on the play! 12 men on defense, five-yard penalty... 
till fourth down. Oh, my goodness on the Bills, the penalty. They'll get another try. Denver will get another try. 12 men on the field. What is going on right now? Oh. Will Lunch will now try a 36-yard field goal to win it. Ball put down. Good snap. The right-footed kick is away and good right through the middle. Dead solid perfect. And Denver wins it on a walk-off field goal 24-22. Harlan and Tucker, two legends. And my guy Ross was pretty much thinking the same thing we all were in that moment. What is going on right now? What is going on right now? 12 men on the field. I mean, seriously? After 13 seconds. Mafia. After 13 seconds, now we have 12 men, 13 seconds, and now 12 men. That right there is some Raider bleep. Oh, and by the way, the Bills now have the same record as the Raiders. And they actually have a worse record versus AFC teams than the worst team in the AFC, the Patriots. Mafia, this is what we're talking about. Buffalo also took two timeouts in the lead-up to that field goal miss. They could not have had more time to figure out how to jog 11 guys out there to stand around and watch a field goal sail wide right and win that game. A game they did not deserve to win in the first place. A game that they actually appear to have won that they had no business winning. And yet still somehow, some way, they did one of the dumbest things ever to lose a game. A game they just won that they had to have. 12 men? How the hell could that possibly happen? Just put 11 guys out there. None of them had to do a damn thing except line up. And you steal a game that you have no business winning. All you needed to do was have fewer than 12 men on the field in that game. In the most important moment of the game, just have less than 12 guys out there and you win. I mean, undisciplined much? Dysfunctional much? I'm not going to say that McDermott single-handedly cost them that game, but hell yes, he's going to wear that. Hell yes, he should wear that. Hell yes, that seat is getting hotter and hotter. Hell yes, he has to do something to deflect the criticism. And hell yes, I would be very concerned right now if I were offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey. Wait a minute, Alvin. Breaking news. I said that I would be very concerned right now if I were offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey. Go ahead all together now. If you're getting ready to go to work, ready for work right now, then you are not offense coordinator Ken Dorsey. You are not Ken Dorsey. Because Adam Schefter tweeted earlier this morning that Dorsey has already been broken off. If you're getting ready for work right now, you are not Ken Dorsey. If you're getting ready for work right now, then you're probably not Doug Collins. Listen, here's the thing. Right about now, he's unemployed. Not a shock. The Bills are just another team, and not a very good one at that. And now he's gone. Hey, Sean, I see you working. There's some solid CYAing. That should buy you what? I don't know, a few more hours? Look, somebody was getting rolled over that debacle last night and for what that team has become. McDermott, though, is just doing what Chris Carter told him to do. You know, find himself a fall guy. You got to have a fall guy in the crew. (laughs) He's got one. Dorsey. Dorsey is the fall guy in the crew. Hey, Bills fan, like, I know that you hated that guy. And I know that you wanted Ken Dorsey fired for weeks. I know this has been an ongoing thing. But you can't blame 13 seconds on Dorsey. And again, how do you go from being a legitimate Super Bowl contender to, well, this? And how is this bleep still happening under Sean McDermott? How is this team this undisciplined? How did this team not get cleaned up after the 13 seconds fiasco? How was that not the toughest lesson ever about closing out games? How are you still finding new and insane ways to lose games? How did you not learn anything from that? 
And just when you think that he and they can't look any worse... You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved for only a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everybody feel special. That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 live customer service, as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. Check out McDermott explaining after the game that they specifically practiced for this very scenario in the week leading up to the game. We practiced two or three times that this week, the substitution from, from dime to field goal block. Uh, and at the end of the day, uh, we didn't execute it. So it's inexcusable. It's inexcusable no matter what. But even more inexcusable that you practiced multiple times for that very same thing. And it still didn't matter. In fact, it's more than inexcusable. It's borderline fireable. Borderline erotic. There's nothing erotic about that except for the opposition. It's very erotic if you're a Bronco. It's very erotic if you're anybody lining up against the Bills late in a tight game. Then it's extremely erotic. Broncos country. Let's ride. You know what's not erotic? The way this team finishes games. The way this team finishes games, it's almost like McDermott is trying to get fired. McDermott must think he's got some kind of Jimbo Fisher buyout or something. Look, I'm not trying to put this all on McDermott because it's not all on McDermott. Even though he already fired Dorsey to cover his own back. You know what would help? It would certainly help if Josh Allen would stop throwing it to the other team. It would certainly help if Josh Allen would stop putting it on the ground. It would certainly help if Josh Allen would stop reverting back to forcing things that aren't there and trying to do too much. Fact is, he is not taking care of the ball. And he is hurting the team. He leads the league in interceptions. He leads the league in turnovers. And it's not just because of injuries or a lack of weapons around him and the fact that he needs to win games all by himself. He's making bad decisions again, and it is hurting the Bills, period. I'm not saying it's all on him. It's not all on him. He's not the one who let a receiver get behind him late in the game and then run into him. So, no, it's not obviously all on Josh Allen. Just don't tell me that none of it is on him because he's not taking care of the ball, and it is hurting the team. And his take that south of Knicks is better than Javier's is still hurting me. His play is hurting his team, and his take on Mexican restaurants is hurting me. Have you been Javier's? Oh, yeah. I've so been you a know. few times. All right, yeah. so really quickly, so they know, because all I do is talk about Javier, my guy Javier. It, does this live up to the hype? Is that not the best place? It, it, I don't know Wait. about the best place, but it's up there. Uh-huh. Have you tried south of Knicks? I have not. Okay, that's it's. There's one in Laguna, and then there's one in San Clemente. Oh yeah, no, okay, yes, okay. yes, I have. In Laguna, I, I have. I, I love Javier's, but I think I might take take South and Knicks over it. I might be crazy. R- respectfully, though. dude, you'd be wrong, but you get you you are entitled to your choice, no matter how wrong it is, dude. But I appreciate it. I'll let you win this one. Right, like you guys let Denver win last night. Again, not all on Josh, but don't tell me that none of it's on Josh. Don't do that. He's not taking care of the ball. Again, he leads the league in turnovers. He leads the league in picks. You know who actually is playing much better? Russett. Russett Potato Wilson. In fact, Russett is playing so well, I might have to drop the potato gloss. Because he no longer looks like a sack of potatoes out there. Now, I'm not saying he looks like prime Russ in Seattle. He's not that. But... He also looks much better than that sack of potatoes in cleats that he was previously. Believe it or not, this dude actually has a better passer rating than C.J. Stroud right now. And really, nobody is playing better than Stroud. You could almost say, Broncos country, country, that you're finally riding. You're finally riding with Russett. And how about Sean Payton? Got to give Sean Payton some credit. For taking this team into Buffalo and grinding out that comeback win in primetime, no matter how it looked. 
and for doing it straight off beating Kansas City and for running off three dubs in a row when it looked like Denver was headed right off the nearest cliff. Ever since that utter and historic decimation in Miami, this has been a different football team. They're 4-2 and two since that utter and historic decimation in Miami. There is actual, tangible progress being made in Denver. Got to acknowledge that. Have to give them credit because it's the exact opposite feeling that they have there from what the mafia has right now. You know what always makes everything better, though? Like I said yesterday, like I always say, I'm here to make things better. I'm the guy that looks at the glass being half full. I'm looking for the positive in everything. You know what makes things better? Well, besides me, you know what makes everything better? Social media drama. And you know what's even better than social media drama? Diggs family drama. I love these guys. I really do. It really was the perfect ending to that bleep storm last night when Trayvon Diggs, who's out for the year, Trayvon Diggs hopped onto the X to take up for his bro Steph by doing this. Quote, man, 14, got to get up out of there. At Trayvon Diggs on the X. Quote, man, 14, got to get up out of there. Uh-oh. But then again, like they said, same bleep, different day. Horrible late game coaching, totally out of control quarterbacking, and drama with the star wide receiver. Same as it ever was, which is why I'm pretty curious. Where are you at, Mafia? Are you in shock? Are you furious? Are you confused? Are you despondent? Are you resigned to your fate? As always is the answer, yes. I want to hear from you today. Even if you have all reached Rick in Buffalo level rage. Because unless I'm mistaken, unless this is a national holiday, he can't break away from his post in school. So you got to call instead. Are you feeling this level of rage? I called for McDermott's head after the playoff loss against KC. But now I'm demanding for it. And how in the hell does a head coach not grab every single DB by the face mask before that fourth and 18 prayer and scream, knock it down or pack your effing bags. Time for me to throw on the headset, Jim. I'll turn this damn thing around in a friggin' flash. Now you'll have to forgive me for my raspy voice, Jim. I spent all day at the stadium yesterday yelling at people. Most notably, Bill's offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey. This idiot calls plays like he's hammered playing Super Techno Bowl at 3 in the morning. Okay, Josh, drop back, heave it as far as you can, and we'll pray for a miraculous leaping catch. Hey, Waldo, feel free to mix in a crossing route, well-designed screen, or anything else that doesn't take three years to develop. Is any of that wrong? Like, he could have made that call this morning and got racked, and it would have been a great call. Except he made that call months ago. Listen, forget about a Vince Lombardi trophy. Another loss like that. And why wouldn't there be another loss like that? Because it keeps happening over and over again. That's my whole point. Why are they not fixing this? So there will be another loss like that, Mafia. You know there will. Another bad loss like that, and it's coming. Then you're that much closer to a Caleb Williams or a Drake May lottery ticket. I'm not saying you replace Josh Allen. Far from it. I'm just saying you'll be in position to get a lottery ticket to do what you want. And if that's too ridiculous, maybe you take a Marvin Harrison Jr. flyer. You know, what with Stefan, if he follows his bro's advice and he, quote, gets up out of there. And if you think Stefan's brother had a change of heart a day later, like it was just a heat of the moment X that he thumbed out, think again. Trayvon X'd, quote, let's not forget, he didn't start going off till bro got there. End of quote. Hey, Bills fan, the team that just beat you, although improved, that team, though, the Dolphins dropped a 70-burger on them. Good luck 
making any sense of that. <sighs> Mafia, same, where are you at? Same place, different day. Same place, different day. And that was opening week. Ten weeks later, where does that leave you? Same place, different day. <sighs> same place. <sighs> <sighs> five and five, just another team. Looking for an offense coordinator. Got out a fall guy. McDermott got, got his fall guy. Fall guy in the crew. And that's how hot that seat is for McDermott. Just broke off Dorsey. Now what? Super Bowl. <sighs> they don't look like a playoff team. You can't win the Lombardi if you don't make the playoffs. And from the looks of things, they're not going to make the playoffs. Not playing the way they're playing right now. U.S. Cellular wants to help everybody get the gift of connection this holiday season. Already a customer? This applies to you, too, because right now, new and current customers can get any phone, and I mean any phone, for free. Yes, really free. Sounds like it's time to make the switch. Spread holiday cheer far and wide this season with a new phone. Everybody can get the gift of connection at U.S. Cellular. Get any phone free today. U.S. Cellular, built for us. Terms apply. Visit uscellular.com for details. Christian Okoye, Christian, it's been a minute, the proverbial minute. How are things, my guy? What's going on? Uh, everything is going on, man. I'm great. I'm great. I'm blessed. It's good to see you again. It's been a long time. It has been a long time. It's great to see you. You look great. So let me get your thoughts. I've thought about writing a book myself for years. I've never actually gotten around to it. You did so. Congrats on that. How long had you been thinking about it? And why was it the right time for you to finally tell your story? Well, it's, it's, it took a long time. and People have been uh, asking me to write a book that I have a great story to tell. Uh, coming from Nigeria and going through everything that I went through and then ending up in uh, <clears throat> in football, Kansas City Chiefs, and uh, achieving all that I've achieved. You know, I am blessed. So people have been asking me to write a book, and uh, I didn't know where to start until about six years ago I spoke to a guy who says, hey, you know, I can help you out. Uh, but it took about, about 11 months, you know, for us to put this together. Christian Okoye is joining us. I mean, that's part of the problem, right? You got to put that thing together. But your journey, your story that people have been wanting you to tell, it really is so unique. Like, how would you describe your childhood growing up in Nigeria as that nation was torn apart by a civil war? What was that like for you? It was it was very difficult. But, you know, as a child, you don't know how difficult it was. We were just having a great time. But um you know, um, I was, uh, I think it was five years old when, uh, when the Civil War broke out. Um, so it was a very difficult time for the family and for, for my hometown, you know, running from one place to another just to avoid the war front. And uh, seeing all that we saw that kids shouldn't see. Um, I tell you, every time I stand in front of kids here in America, I tell them, I said, uh, you know, you haven't seen war. <laughs> you know, uh, it's so difficult to go through war. It's not easy. Everything is just life is not easy during war. Uh, sometimes you have to go through uh, days without food because um, your whole life is thrown apart. Chris Nikoye is joining us. You know, as I mentioned, the journey is so unique. Ultimately, how did you get to America? And then how did you land at tiny Azusa Pacific University, which is here in Southern California and has an undergraduate population of maybe 3,700 students? <laughs> not even not even that. Um, I was just a Pacific is so small, but I got there through another friend, Innocent Egbunike, who went to 80 Olympics. We were friends back in Nigeria, running track uh, together for my state. Uh, so when he set off to come to America in 1981, I told him that I would love to come so I can train to be in the 84 Olympics. That was my purpose. And uh, I eventually came in 82 when he walked it out with my track coach, Terry Francis, to come. Um, again, the tuition scholarship. And uh, when I came, I was training. My goal was to be in the 84 Olympics. But when that time came, of course, uh, Nigeria didn't take me. And I was heavily disappointed. Um, but before that time, people had been asking me to play football. I didn't know anything about football. I decided I'm going to play football then when I couldn't go to the Olympics. And that's how I started playing. All right. So when you started to play, I mean, for instance, how much did you know about the game? And the first time you saw football, what did you think about it? 
I thought it was, I thought it was crazy, boring. Uh, I, my friend Innocent took me to a football game, my school football game. Uh, first he says, Christian, let's go see a football game. I, uh, I said, okay, I thought he was talking about soccer. You see, so when we got up there, uh, these guys came out and, you know, shoulder pads. And I didn't know what they were wearing. I told him, I said, uh, man, these guys are huge. He said, no, 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 they're wearing pads. I said, what does that mean? He said, just watch. And then I watched, they warmed up, game started, and, uh, you know, they will huddle up and talk amongst each other and line up and hit each other. And then whistle blows. I said, man, this is boring. Let's get out of here. <laughs> and um, uh, I never watched another football game until I decided to get into it. It's incredible. Christian Koye joining us. It's such a funny story. It really is amazing. Listen, I think you you and I over the years, we've talked about this, but I want to reset this. I'll tell you about Azusa Pacific and how small that school is. When I went to UC Santa Barbara and then I stayed there afterwards and I did some broadcasting work, Christian, we had a club football team. We had a club football team, and I want to say we only had it for one year. This was not a NCAA Division football team, yet somehow, some way, Azusa Pacific ended up on our schedule, and I will never forget you coming in and <laughs> running roughshod over our clubbers. Do you by any chance remember that day? Yes, of course I remember going up to Santa Barbara. It, uh, it was one of those days, I think uh, I was still kind of iffy about football, not sure if I was going to continue playing or not, but uh, friends were encouraging me to keep on going and playing, that I was doing better and better each game. So, But I do remember going to Santa Barbara. Uh, but I went to Santa Barbara a lot as a track guy. Yeah, I went up there to compete against uh, you guys, throwing the discus and shot with an Andy Hammer. Uh, but eventually came out there and play football. All right, so this whole thing about you being a track guy is really amazing. Christian Koye joining us. He's got a brand new autobiography out telling his amazing story. The thing about you being a track guy is so amazing, of course, is because of your size. You were always such a unique athlete. Like, for instance, they listed you at 260 in the NFL. You always looked so much bigger to me than that. What was your playing weight, actually? And then how much did you enjoy taking on linebackers in the open field? Well, you know, one of the reasons why I was so confident when I played was because of my size. I was I was big. I, I weighed uh, 265 pounds, and uh, uh, when you weigh me with all my pads on, I would I weighed over 300 pounds. You see, so um, and I had the speed and the strength and the stamina. So that's that's the confidence that I had um, going against those guys. I wasn't scared at all. I wasn't uh, because I knew that I was bigger than most of them especially the DBs, you know, even though some of them were big. But uh, my size uh, gave me the confidence. You know, that said, because of your running style, it was so punishing, you did pay a price. You paid a price physically for it. I'm curious, how much pain were you dealing with when you retired at the age of 31 after the 1992 season? Well, a lot. You know, since uh, starting football, I have gone through 12 surgeries, you know, so... Uh, it, 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 you know, it pay your price playing football, but uh, I often get asked, would you do it again? Of course I'll do it again because playing the NFL is one of those things that few people get to do. You know, millions of people want to play in the NFL and I'm one of those guys that was chosen to play. Um, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. So I ain't going to complain at all. You know, I wonder, like, I've talked to so many athletes over the years, and they talk about the transition to life after sports being so challenging because that's been their identity, right? That's the thing they've done their entire lives. As you point out, you started playing the game much later in life, and you were never fully defined. I mean, you appreciated it and were grateful for it, but were not fully defined by the sport itself. What was the transition like for you once you left the game? Was it easier because of that? It was so easy, Jim. I tell you, I walked into where. Uh, Marty Schoenheimer's office, I said, Coach, I, I don't think I'm going to play anymore. He said, what? You're only 31 years old. You still have a few years left. I said, no, Coach, I think I'm done. I said that uh, you actually extended my career in football because I, when I got into NFL, I told myself I was going to play four years and, and get out of there. But Marty came, and they gave me a new contract, and I was able to stay and accomplish the, thing, the things that I accomplished. So because of him, I was able to play a few more years, and uh, he extended my career. Um, but it was so easy for me to leave because I didn't grow up playing football. Uh, I'm not like some of these guys that were playing uh, when they were like five years old and pop one and things like that. So uh, I got tired of football quick, very, very fast. 
and you were in pain, and that's something else. So, Christian, what's it mean to you? Like, having said all that, I'm curious, what was it like when you arrived in Missouri? They made you a second-round draft pick out of Azusa Pacific, and what's it mean to you to be a part of their Hall of Fame, the Chiefs Hall of Fame? It means a lot. It means a lot, especially coming from Nigeria and uh, uh, playing organized football just for three years before I was drafted by the Chiefs. You know, my story is just one of those that you never hear about. You know, coming from Azusa Pacific, I was only was uh, exposed to the rest of the NFL when I was invited to the Senior Bowl. And I got there and I scored four touchdowns and everybody saw me and the Chiefs came calling. But, you know, when I got to the Kansas City Chiefs, um, I was labeled a project. You know, Kansas City Chiefs drafted a project. They're going to teach him football before he can actually play. But, you know, I uh, proved everybody wrong because I knew in order for me to make the team, in order for me to be on the field, I have to know exactly what I was about to do. Uh, so I decided to study my playbook to know uh, where to be when a play is called. And then from there, my teammates, my teammates helped me out a great deal as far as, you know, how to run the ball, what to do when people get, get uh, tackle me and things like that. And what I did also to help myself was uh, to be a student of the game. I started uh, all the other greats that played before me. Jim Brown was one of them that I scored. I started his, uh, his uh, videos. Jim Teller was another guy. Walter Payton, Earl Campbell, Eric Dickerson, some of these guys. I watched it not to run like them, but to learn about what they're thinking, their demeanor, uh, as far as the game is concerned. And that helped me a great deal. Well, man, you not only have one of the most interesting stories ever, you have one of the most interesting minds ever. I am so glad, Christian, that you wrote this book, number one, because it is such a great story, and number two, it gave you and I a chance to get caught up really quickly. I would imagine our listeners can get this book wherever they get their books. I'm sorry, say it again. They can get the book wherever they get their books. Oh, yeah, they can go to Amazon and uh, type in Nigeria Nightmare or go to christianokoye.com to get a, a signed copy. Oh, better yet. I love that. Christian Okoye, two-time Pro Bowler, member of the Chiefs Hall of Fame, led the league in rushing in 1989, my friend. It's so great to get caught up with you. Thank you very much. Congrats on that book, Christian. Thank you, Jim. Thank you so much for having me, and it's good to see you again. God bless so you. So great to see you, my man. Are you craving some protein after a good workout? Probably so. Listen, this time, don't make a shake. Do not eat a bar. Grab instead a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. That's my go-to. Why Old Trapper? Because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and it's tender and it's made from real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. Plus, Old Trapper is a family-owned business. I know this family, and I know they take smoked beef extremely seriously so you can taste it in every single bite. I mean, who wants dried rough beef in a bag nobody it's like eating an old shoe old trapper though is the real deal and it comes in four amazing flavors old-fashioned teriyaki peppered and hot and spicy so the next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime anywhere grab some old trapper beef jerky look for it in the clear view bag look for it in major retail stores near you if you don't see it just ask for it by name because no other jerky compares old trapper what's your beef let's talk about the hood also, not having a good week. Bill Belichick. Hey, half fam. And remember, as much as some of you don't like me, I'm half you. My father's side, all Boston. Boston, Brookline, Fitchburg, Newton, all these places. Most of which I have not been to. <laughs> but I'm half fam. I'm half chowed. I'm half chowed and half Frisco, I found out not long ago. Weird. Anyway, half fam, you think you want Bill Belichick to exit stage left in Foxborough, stat. Well, there's actually somebody who wants it a hell of a lot more than you do. She, she, pretty much wants it more than anybody wants anything. I mean, from the sounds of it, I'm guessing she would love Pat's security to grab him by that ragged hoodie and toss his ass right off the stage right now. And yes, I'm talking about she. She is none other than Fran Levy. Straight up, half fam. You think you've had enough of the mumbler. You have nothing on the wife of Hall of Famer, Marv Levy. 
So we've got kind of a Bills connection here. We're talking about the Bills all day long. How about the Bills of yesteryear? The ones that were going to the Super Bowl every single year. Marv Levy's wife, Fran. Why is she in the news? Well, while you have loved the hood for years, Fran clearly has never had any need for the hood. Never been a fan of the hood. How do I know? Fran decided to rip into the old hood during her husband's recent interview with the Boston Globe. No joke. When Marv was asked by the Globe if he had any kind of advice or if he would provide any guidance for the mumbler amidst his struggling season, Fran waved her old man off and took a bat to the hood instead. Fran said, and I quote, she told this to the Globe, quote, I think he should retire. I can't stand him. He's a cheater. And he was rude to Marv. Bill Belichick was always jealous of Marv. He's a mean person, and I hope he never wins again. End of quote. Bam! Have some hood. Open season on the hood continues. I'm telling you, man, when it goes, it goes fast. Like five minutes ago, everybody was all, Bill Belichick, bah, bah. This dude was the goat five minutes ago. Now there's people just lining up to kick this dude in the proverbial stick. And Fran Levy just cut the line and is blasting away. As if this dude needed anybody else to dunk on him, Fran Levy just took off from the free throw line and she is hanging from the rim still. And she's all up on that Bella chest of his, allegedly. I mean, Fran. Fran Levy still has as much juice as Marv's K-Gun had during its glory years. So much so that Marv felt like she was a little wide right, if you will, with those comments and wanted, well, he tried his best to reel her back in and make sure that the Globe did not quote him on that. I don't think she cared. She probably was like, oh, I said it. Quote me on that. For all I know, he may have even politely asked Fran to run a few wind sprints for vaporizing the hood the way she did. To which I would say Marv. I love Marv. I've always been a big fan of Marv. Marv used to come on the program. I always thought that he was like the most dignified guy. Great coach. Great dude. But Marv. I don't want to get in the middle of this. But Marv. What did she say or do that was wrong? Even though Belichick has six rings. And you have none. Even though he's got six and you went 0 for 4 in the big one. Maybe he is. And always has been jealous of you. I mean you are a brilliant dude. You're a hell of a good guy, a damn good coach. Your players loved you. I mean, maybe he is jealous of you. Why take any of that out of the interview? All she's doing is dropping knowledge bombs while mixing in an opinion or two. I mean, let's go back to what she said. The old man should retire. Yeah, I'm sure that half his fans think that. Half the Patriots fan base would agree with that or more. Quote, He's a cheater. Check. Most people outside of my half fam think that he's a cheater. He's a mean person, and she hopes he never wins again. Yeah, I bet 90% of the people listening or watching right now would say the same exact thing. He's a cheater, and we hope he never wins again, and he's mean. So exactly what did Fran do or say that was wrong? As far as I could tell, absolutely nothing. Like, although I married the best person I ever met, And the nicest person I've ever met. I can't wait for Dodger Jano to swing in here on a vine with a little something for all the Van Smack hate that I've told her to ignore for the past 30 years. I mean, Fran's got me all fired up now. Most people I know want to be like DJ. But as much as I love her, I think that I want to inject a little Fran Levy into Dodger Jano. It's evidently free game on the hood these days and keeping it real. I mean, this dude just can't stop taking it from every single angle. 
you know, the guy who assumed that he would just kind of coast into being the game's all-time winningest coach, applauded for it by the masses, deified. This dude now might not make it through the season. He might not make it through the week. He's leaking oil, his engine is smoking, and Fran Levy just slashed all of his tires. Like, the Boston Globe is a great newspaper. No disrespect to the Globe. And a really great fish wrap back in the day. But how do you not follow up Fran after that verbal assault on Bill? I love Marv. But with all due respect, if I'm doing the interview, I immediately change focus. The article changes to a Fran perspective, not the Marv perspective. I would immediately move over a seat and say, okay, hey, Fran, settle in for a minute. Sure, what do you want to know? How many Super Bowls would Bill have won without Tom Brady, Fran? (laughs) Hey, Fran, why do you think this guy is so mean? Why do you think this guy is so prickly? Was he not hugged enough as a child? Hey, Fran, how satisfying has it been to watch the Patriots become the doormats of the entire NFL. Fran, if you were Robert Kraft, how would you fire Bill Belichick? Not would you fire Bill Belichick, but how and when? Hey, Fran, let me show you this video. Look at my phone. Look at this video of a shirtless and supple man allegedly coming out of a house in the early mornings. Is that Bill Belichick, Fran? Do the best we can here going forward. Is that Bill Belichick? And if so, what do you make of his demeanor? If you had to guess, Fran, what happened prior to him stepping out of that home shirtless and supple? Hey now, Jim Rome here. Let me talk to you for a moment about one of my all-time favorite products, HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store. Count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. This is why it is America's number one meal kit. And the holidays are right around the corner, and HelloFresh can help take the stress out of dinner by delivering everything you need to cook up tasty meals right to your door, saving you a ton of time. What I'm saying is this, HelloFresh is so much more than just delicious dinners. HelloFresh can help take the hassle out of every mealtime occasion with easy breakfast, quick lunches, and snacks all delivered along with your weekly box. That's why I love it, for all of those reasons. So what you want to do is go to HelloFresh.com slash RomeFree and use the code RomeFree for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's a free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash RomeFree, but you have to use the code RomeFree. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. David in Orchard Park, you are first up. David, what's up? How you feeling? Jim, thanks for the vine. Let me tell you, I don't even know where to begin. Let's go right over to the NFL games this past weekend. New England puts six points on the board against the Colts, and they had their high score against us, 29 points. Case number two, Stroud, a rookie quarterback, goes into Cincinnati. They put up close to 500 total yards offense on the Bengals, and we looked like crap last week against the Bengals. Jacksonville gets blown out at home a team that we can't even beat in London, let alone in Jacksonville. This game last night was an absolute, utter disgrace. National TV, three night games against three mediocre teams on Sunday night football, Thursday night football, and Monday night football, and we've looked like crap every single time in these games. Let's face it, Mayfield's bomb in the end zone. If Godwin would have turned around, we would have lost that game. They let Taron Johnson get away with a uh, uh, uh foul on uh, Waller in the end zone in the Giant game. We should have lost that game. Absolute disgrace last night. There were so many fans leaving that stadium early because they had to be to work the next day or go to school the next morning. Thank God I have a night job. It's absolutely despicable that you lose. And let's face it, McDermott, he used Heath Farwell as a scapegoat after the 13-second game, the special teams coordinator. He's gone. He butted heads with Dable last year. Dable decided to go take the Giants' job. 
he and Fraser didn't get along toward the end, and all of a sudden your defensive coordinator says, oh, I think I'm just going to go join the NFL Network and become an analyst. Come on. McDermott, it's, he's almost like Marvin Lewis. How many years does Cincinnati have to endure Marvin Lewis going every year, we're going to win the division, we're going to win the playoffs, we do nothing. McDermott took this team as far as they could go when they had the 13-second game against the Chiefs. It's been going downhill all long. Last night you saw an ascending Broncos team and a descending Bills team. He used Dorsey as a scapegoat. If they don't get rid of McDermott at the end of the year, unexcusable. You have 12 men on the field during a field goal? Come on. And you saw the guy jumping up and down. I think he was the 12th man. To me, it was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen, and you have to be there live to see it. It was People were walking out, Jim, saying we wasted our money. We can't believe we wasted our money on another national TV disgrace. It was absolutely inexcusable. My man, rack him. That's an incredible phone call. Rack I mean, he him. just summed up the entire season. In fact, he just summed up the last several seasons. That was an incredible phone call. Mafia, this is what I've come to expect from you. That was so much better than anything I saw on the field last night. In Michigan, man, just a thought or two. I can't get into all of this right now. Believe me, if I could get away from the Michigan scandal, I would. Michigan man, you're getting way too much run on this program. I'm sick of talking about you. I don't want to talk about you. I know that you think that I live to talk about you, that I wake up in the morning and I think to myself, uh, let's go in on Michigan man. I, I mean, I'm, I'm tired of it. I'm not. That's not what I'm about. I don't want to talk about you. You know why? I don't want to hear from you. And every time I talk about you, I hear from you. So... Don't think that I'm here to talk about you and I'm loving it and it's good for me, it's good for the program. It's none of the above. The problem is, Michigan man, the reason I'm still talking about you is because Michigan scandal keeps one-upping itself every single day. It seems like there's something new that jumps that story right back to the top of the news. Yesterday, I had to talk about the Big Ten's Friday news dump where they suspended Jim Harbaugh. And by the way, I kind of had your back on that. I thought that that was a little shady. I thought it was shady because it was a Friday news dump. I thought it was a little bit shady because it was during a holiday weekend. I thought it was a little shady because it was unprecedented. I thought it was a little shady because they rushed in. So I actually did have your back on that. But then I also had to talk about interim coach Sharon Moore's absurd post-game performance on the Fox broadcast, and I did not have your back on that. I actually didn't like that at all. I'm not sure I've ever heard anything baggier than these hysterics. Well, I thank the Lord. Well, I thank Coach Harbaugh. I love you, man. I love the out of you, man. This is for you. For this university, the president, our AD. We got the best players, best university, best alumni in the country. Love you guys. These f-ing guys right here. These guys right here, man. These guys did it. These guys did it, man. Talk to him, man. Love you. Was that watching a post-game interview or like some skit on Saturday Night Live? That was so over the top. He got the top gun treatment because, like I said yesterday, Slider. even Mav didn't cry that much over Goose. And he Black killed Goose. And Goose was dead in his arms. And even Ma- Mav wasn't that dramatic. And that was one of the most melodramatic scenes ever. But it still wasn't even close to the actual melodrama and the hysterics and the tears on display from Coach Moore on Saturday. I really didn't think there could be any audio out of Ann Arbor this week that could top that. But I may be wrong. This might shock you, Michigan man, but I actually kind of like what Jim Harbaugh tried to pull off yesterday. What a stunt, man. What an absolute stunt that this guy pulled off. And it better be a stunt or it's the baggiest thing ever. But I, I really believe my dude just went full troll. And if so, it's pretty smart. Like, how else do you deflect the criticism while also topping Sharon going full waterworks, and playing victim. I mean, again, this guy crying and F-bombing like his head coach was just killed or just dropped dead right in front of him. It was nothing like that. He got caught cheating. So what do you do if you're Harbaugh? 
you take the next step and you play martyr. You play hero. You declare yourself America's team. It's got to be America's team. It's got to be America's team. America, America loves a team that, that uh, you know, beats the odds, beats the adversity, you know, overcomes what the naysayers and, you know, critics, so-called experts think. Turkey, um, gobble, gobble. That's my turkey. favorite kind of team. And, yeah, watching it from, from that view on the television, I, it was finally people get to see what I see every day, you know, in these players and these coaches. I don't know. Like, I, I want to give this guy credit, and I want to say, man, what a great troll. America's team. How rich is that? I mean, what an amazing troll job. But then you listen to him, and you're like, wait a minute. He might actually mean that. Forget the fact that they got caught in a cheating scandal. Forget the fact that it's his second time he's been suspended this season. Never mind all that. What he's saying is we're actually the good guys here. It's got to be America's team. We're America's team because of how badly we've been persecuted. We're America's team because of how much we've had to overcome. You know, all the cheating that happened under my watch. We're America's team. I just wish you went all the way with it. You know, like, America loves a team that, that, uh, that, that a what, Jim? America loves a team that what? That, uh, cheats? Is that what you wanted to say? You said that. America loves a team that, uh, uh, cheats? Because that's what you should have said. That's the only thing. That would have made that troll job even more awesome. We're America's team. We're America's team. You know why? Because America loves a team that cheats. It's almost kind of true. Because if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. And it's only cheating if you get caught. And he did. But who the hell cares? You're Michigan man and you're America's team. Why? Because Michigan man said so. And your assistant got on TV crying hysterically and dropping F-bombs like he had just seen... Michigan man get hit by an oncoming train as opposed to being caught up in a sign-stealing scandal. We're America's team. That is a legendary troll, dude. I got to give you credit for that, honestly. Good night now!